would like to say a big thank you to whoever fixed the pulpit. Thanks, Dave. Because it, because it dawned on me when I was standing there listening to the last bit of the song, that pulpit broke Wednesday night. You can't get up here and go to slapping and stomping. Stuff will go to breaking. Would you open your Bibles to the Gospel of St. John, chapter 15, find the first verse, and I'll read down to verse 8. And as you're finding it and before you stand, I'd like to apologize to any of you who's been misled by the Word of God when I've read the Scriptures. Because my wife told me after Wednesday night, she said, Honey, when she says honey, it's got pretty serious. You've got to start taking your glasses to the pulpit. You're missing some words and you're getting the line above the other line. So if I've done that to you, I apologize. And when I really realized it was bad, is on 95.15. On my Kevin book, she had a calf. But in the pen, I'm looking at 95.15. She ain't had no calf. Now, I've got 60-something head in there. And I'm thinking, now why in the world would I have wrote down she had a calf, weighed it, and tagged it, and everything else? Surely I can see a cow. But then I read, then I found 95.16 in the back pens, and she had a calf, and my book said she didn't have a calf. So if you guys just figured out who's had failing eyesight, what I've done is wrote 95.16's calf on 95's line because I can't see. And you say, well, we're not going to feel sorry for you. Wear glasses. You'll feel sorry for me because them glasses, I run into stuff. I, I just can't get it. I don't know. How, hats off to all you folks that wear glasses. I don't know if I'll ever be able to wear them. Guess when I become legally blind, I will. Check out as I try to read the Word of God and make sure I get the words in the right place. Giant print Bible sounds way better than glasses. If you would stand in honor and reverence for the reading of God's holy, inspired, infallible Word and make sure I read it right, I'm glad you've got your copy so you can check me out. The words are read and it says, I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the words which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears, catch that word, not fruit, much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear 
much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Father, bless the preaching of your word. I ask it in the name above all names, the name of Jesus. And all God's people as they was being seated said. The conversation happened between the farmer who showed up one morning, said to the tree, Good morning. How are you? The tree said, Just fine, Master Farmer. Isn't it a lovely morning? The farmer says, Yes, except one thing. Where is your fruit? Man, I see your nice leaves, your sturdy trunk, your strong branches, but where, tree, is your fruit? Master, if you will notice, I am more firmly anchored, the tree said, than any other of the trees. My leaves are more beautiful. There's no broken or damaged branches, no scuff from your workers. The farmer said, that's well and good, but I planted you to bear fruit. That's your purpose. Your purpose is not just to look pretty and preserve yourself. Suppose, the farmer said, suppose every tree in this vineyard took on your attitude. Where then would be the fruit? So the tree answered and said to the master farmer, I've tried bearing fruit once a few years back. Some beautiful fruit I did produce, but it fell to the ground and it rotted and it put off an awful stench. My limbs got heavy, bent, Hard to hold up. And Master Farmer, some of them even broke. Just about starved my whole system. I tell you, Master Farmer, it was about all a tree could handle. Workers came, they climbed, began to climb up me and cut off some of my branches. And I want you to know, Master Farmer, one year I produced more fruit than any other tree in the vineyard. And absolutely no one give me recognition for it. So I've just decided no more. I'm going to be content to stand here, look pretty, and leave the fruit bearing to all the other trees. (laughs) After that experience, Master Farmer, what would you expect? I expect, the farmer said, you'll make good firewood. Now, folks, That's a make-believe story of a farmer and a tree. But when you get the chance, reread John chapter 15, 1 through 8. And it says exactly the same thing. The only difference is it's not a make-believe farmer. It's the master. And he's not talking to a make-believe tree. He's talking to his followers. 
When we read scriptures, there's the priority of fruit bearing. There's the penalty of being fruitless. There's the plan of being fruitful, abiding in Him and in His Word. And there's a purpose of being fruitful. And it's spelled out there. The Father is glorified and the followers are sanctified. I want to preach to you today a sermon that I've entitled, Bearing Fruit. Here we go. Number one, we must bear fruit in our worship. We must be fruitful in our worship. Now I want you to listen what Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15 says. It says, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise, not to Dave, not the worship team, to God. That is the, here's the word, fruit. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. When we come in and our worship team gets up, I don't know about you, but I want to be fruitful in my worship. The old saying, what's that look like? That's a new thing. What's that look like? Well, because we're different in different personalities, that looks different in different people. There's some people, when it comes to being fruitful in their worship, they're going to lift their hands, they're going to lift their voices, they're going to clap, they're going to shout different words in the midst of the worship words. There's going to be others that maybe don't raise their hands, maybe don't lift their eyes, but rather than instead they bow their heads and close their eyes and they just listen to the words and let it minister. And from their very hearts, not so much verbally, they're given thanks. Why should we give thanks? Because God's Son one day left heaven. He came to earth. He lived a sinless life. He died a substitutionary death and was buried. And three days later He rose again. And without that happening, you and I are still hell bound we don't have a friend that sticks closer in a brother than Jesus Christ and folks listen to me whatever it looks like to you you ought to be fruitful when it comes to worship giving thanks unto God somehow, some way and the Bible says that's fruitful in your worship so whatever that looks like I'd challenge you be fruitful in your worship But secondly, I would challenge you today to be fruitful in your walk. Now it says in Romans 6.22, But now, having been set free from sin, and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness. Now listen to me and listen to me closely. We're to be fruitful in worship, but we're to be fruitful in our walk. And before you got saved, let me tell you what your walk was. Let me tell you what your fruit was. It was rotten and it was hellishness. It wasn't holiness. It was according to the world and the flesh. Are you staying with me? Say, I am. But when you get saved, you no longer walk according to the flesh, but you walk according to the Holy Spirit of God. You can go read Galatians 5 and you can see walking according to the flesh and what it produces. But then you can read walking in the Spirit and what it produces is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. 
So if we're going to be fruitful, we've got to walk in love and joy and peace and so on. Amen? Now, many of you here, but at Telequal, a little different story. You know my experience of why I have trouble with cherries. But for those of you that don't know, I will share now. I love the taste of cherries. I love them. I love the flavor. The texture used to not get me. But because of an experience I had years ago, the texture gets me. What was that experience? My little cousin picked up a dog tick. And before I could get it stopped, he had ate it. And you know how when somebody chews tobacco, that tobacco juice runs down the corners of your mouth? My cousin that day, because of eating that dog tick, it looked like cherry juice, but I assure you it wasn't. It was red. It was tick blood running down the corners of his mouth. Because of that experience, I've struggled, Allison, with the texture of cherries. But I love cherry. And the only one that realized my pain was my mother-in-law. She's went on to glory, but i tell you what she'd do. She'd send my cherry pie filling through the blender. Enough times that it was just pureed. And I could enjoy the taste of cherry without having a visual of Craig Pierce in my mind. But one day heading to revival in Skytook, Oklahoma, I had a sweet tooth. And I pulled in at the quick trip there at the stockyards exit. And man, my sweet tooth, it was just cherry, 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 cherry. And I thought, Wanda ain't here to blend it. And I simply chose that day a hostess cherry pie. And see, I could eat them if I was sitting down because I could dissect them. I could lay them open and take all the dog ticks, I mean cherries, out. But when you're headed to preach revival and you don't have an extra shirt and you don't have extra, and it's hard to dissect a hostess cherry pie while you're driving... I just had to pray, Lord Jesus, let me bite in and let it be filling only. And I began to try to eat that cherry pie. And when I bit into it and it broke and hostess, they used to not rit, they used to not skimp on how much they'd put in there. And as I began to bite in it and it began to break, let me tell you, what was inside that pie didn't only just go in me, it got all over me. Boy, how I wish that day I'd have had an extra preaching shirt. Do you know how embarrassing it is to be the guest evangelist, to have a big old introduction, and you step up and you've got cherry pie filling all down the front of your shirt? So you say, Lord, I've got to have some help. He said, just object lesson, brother. So I just simply told him the world's going to bite into you, and what's in you is going to get in them or on you.
It's the only thing I knew to do. I was desperate. And you say, what would you say to him? I said, well, the world's going to bite into you. There's no doubt. And when they do, what needs to go in them and all over them is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and goodness and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. You want to be fruitful? When you're walking down life's pathway, the world's going to bite you. You need to make sure what gets in them and on them is the fruit of the Holy Spirit and not the fruit of the hellish flesh. And all God's people ought to be saying, Amen and Amen. Going to be fruitful. We've got to be fruitful in our worship. We've got to be fruitful in our walk. But then we need to thirdly be fruitful in our witness. Paul said... In Romans chapter 1, he said, As often I have planned to come to you, but was hindered until now. And listen to what he says. That I might have some, there it is again, fruit among you. You know why Paul wanted to go to Rome? Because he wanted to preach the gospel over there. He's not ashamed of the gospel, and he couldn't wait to get over there because he knew it had the power. To save those who would believe. So he could not wait to get to Rome and tell them, give them the good news. Jesus one day left heaven. Jesus made it here on planet earth. He lived a sinless life. He died a substitutionary death. They buried in a buried tomb. He just needed it for three days. And on the third day, he rose again. And if you'll believe that with your heart, confess that with your mouth, you can escape hell, make heaven, and have him as a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He knew if he could just get over there and preach that message, he'd have some fruit among them. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So he was going to be fruitful in his witness. Now, look here, when this time of year comes, I'm often asked, why in the world does that bunch of yours go down there and have a basketball tournament out in the middle of nowhere at a K through 8 school. Why would we have a basketball game and take about 20 minutes in the middle of it and share the good news of Jesus Christ? I'll tell you why. We want some fruit among the basketball world. And why would you come straight out of that and go work and clean and gather everybody together to weed eat and pray and clean up and set a tent and spend all that money to go out there in the middle of that arena just to just to take 15 minutes. I'll tell you why. That 15 minutes, we're going to tell them about our Jesus and we're going to let Jesus change their life. And 17 people out of the rodeo world, guess what they are to you and I today? They're fruits of our witness. And why in the world would the youth not even make it to the start of the rodeo? Because they had a meeting at Ranch House last night. What was the meeting about? They're going on a mission trip. Why would you send your youth on a mission trip to the little old town of Spavanaugh? Because when our youth get up there and the workers, they're going to be a witness to the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and exciting southeast. Listen, we can have some fruits right up there in that little community called Spavanaugh. You can just go on and on and on. Why we do what we do? We want some fruits 
from among our community and other communities as well. Look up here and listen. Too many churches, they got big old strong and pretty buildings. And they look pretty. But unless they're bearing some fruits of sharing the gospel in their community, according to the verses I read today, it's not going to be good for them one day. Churches wasn't designed to be big and pretty. They was designed to bear fruits. And a church is made up of Christians. And how a church bears fruits is made up of a bunch of Christians that bear fruit. And all God's people ought to be saying, Amen and Amen. If you watched Riding with Rob this week, I got to go to 337 room, ICU, Tahlequah, Oklahoma. Because after I preached, broke the pulpit here on Wednesday night, there was a messenger, a message in messenger for me. It was from Jimmy Ferguson. Jimmy Vaughn now. It's Bobby Slim Ferguson's daughter. Don't really know her. But how long I have I knew Slim, the rodeo clown? He calls me Robbie. That's how long. He got diagnosed Wednesday with cancer and they told him it was not good. And his words was to Jimmy, she said on Messenger, tell Robbie I need to see him. See, when I got saved, I wanted to be fruitful in my witness and I run on to Slim a lot. And I would witness and I would share, but he would neglect and reject. Everybody look up here. There's something just a little bit different when death steps on your front door. When death goes to knocking and steps up on the front porch, something you've been neglecting and rejecting looks pretty good. And so that day, planning to go have coffee, I wanted to see how you sipped it, hooks. I had to put off getting there till noon or after, because why? I knew there was some fruit that was ripe for the picking. And so I went to 337 ICU, and when I walked in, I'm telling you, he was ready. I could hardly get the gospel shared before he broke down and prayed the single greatest prayer he could ever say, and God be merciful to me, I'm a sinner, and save my soul. Told me how he watched all them riding with Robs, and then he looked at his daughter and he said, How am I gonna let people know? Got a little bit quiet and he said, Whoopah! I said, What's that mean? He said, I think it just means excitement. I'm excited. Whoopah! There's a bull named Whoopah. You can read the story on it. Jimmy sent it to me a little later. Exactly what it means. Listen to me. I said, you hadn't missed any riding with Rob's? I said, it's been a month since I've done one. You just ask how to let the world know. How about let's do a riding with Rob? And he got to let a lot of people know what he just done. Isn't it something when somebody gets saved, they won't let people know? Amen. And because of this church, we can be fruitful in our witness. But then I want to tell you, Fourthly, we need to be fruitful in our works. Listen to this, Colossians 1.10. If we want to fully please the Lord, listen to this, then we need to be fruitful in every good work. 
If you just read that in your private time, if I want to please the Lord, I'm to be fruitful in every good work. Dave, you understand that when we have meetings and we get ideas, we often have that new phrase, these young people, what's that going to look like? And I'm saying, we ain't done it yet. How are we going to know what it's going to look like? But what they're saying, how is what we're doing, what's it going to look like? So i got a question. If you're reading that by yourself and you want to please the Lord and you're to be fruitful in every good work, what exactly does that look like? It looks like not telling people how much you care, or how much you know, it looks like showing them how much you care because works means your hand to the plow. Now, I want everybody to look up here. And I want you to listen to me. Because of this church and where it once was and where it is now, I often get pastors asking this question. If you could say, we want you to tell us We know the answer is probably many, but they know you're a preacher, so they're trying to keep it short. Tell us the one thing that you would contribute to the growth of Exciting Southeast more than anything else. They'll want to know that. That thing has exploded, it's grown. There's many things they'll say, we know that. But we want you to tell us the one thing that you contributed to. If you just had one word, I said, can I have some sub-points off the one point? You know what I tell them? I believe has grown this church more than anything else if I only get one thing. Funerals. What has grown exciting southeast probably more than anything we've done, listen to me, is funerals. And the reason I want to sub-point that, because many of you think, well, Rob goes and preaches a funeral, and, and that next service we'll probably have some visitors. That is true. But I want you to listen. For one thing, this preacher that stands before you, I'm not limited to preaching funerals of only people inside this building that belong to this church. I keep track of those funerals and I do more funerals outside the walls of this church than I do inside the walls of this church. People that don't belong here. I do. David Dick, Green Country Funeral Home, calls upon me when someone comes in and don't have any idea who they're going to get. And I'll stand behind his podium, and I will preach funerals of people I have no idea what they look like inside that box. But the reason I do that is because I think that's a good work. I think preaching a funeral and giving them the Word of God when they're hurting and wounded is a good work. And so often when I do preach a funeral of people outside this church or inside this church, the next service, we will have visitors and some have stayed. But let me just tell you something. If you think it's only funerals because of this preacher preaching funerals, you're wrong, wrong, wrong.
Because this week there was two funerals that Exciting Southeast was a part of, and I wasn't at either one of them. But the ladies in our churches prepared meals, and they met up, and they served meals. I didn't preach the funerals. Wasn't even at the funeral. But what people do is when they know someone that's died and they begin to ask them, man, where's the funeral? Is someone fixing you dinner? If not, our church would love to. And this week, two funeral dinners was prepared for two families that lost loved ones and about two rows at Telequal service. I didn't preach a funeral. But they was present. At the 9.30 service. You know why? Good works. Our people didn't just tell that family how much we know. We showed that family how much we cared when we showed up. And served their family in a time of need. Last night, I was struggling what I was even going to preach. Over there at that roundup for Jesus Rodeo. And I got there. And some old goofy bull rider stepped up there and said, You got a minute? Come on. I got a minute. I'm trying to fret and wonder what I'm going to preach here. Do I got a minute? Sure, I got a minute. And he began to tell me about how much the church meant to him. He can tell you. Y'all don't know me. Some of you do, some of of you don't. But I'm going to have to start like this. Long time ago, I used to drink a lot. I mean, I like beer. I mean, I like beer. And I would go in front of Robbie and ask Robbie if he wanted a beer. I didn't hide it from Robbie. I didn't hide it from God. I like beer. One day he said, Thriller, would you ever quit? drinking beer and I said nope I like beer do you want a beer he said okay Daryl what if you see the sign I said sure Robbie if I see the sign I won't drink no more well I haven't drank a beer since 2012 but here's the other point of this I used I got saved here I got baptized here I was a worker at Tahlequah, I told Robbie I probably won't never be back in this church again. Well, I'm here. My my dad died. I took it pretty hard because I wasn't for sure if my dad was saved. I kept pushing the seed. I kept sowing the seeds, poking well, at his funeral, some ladies that would go see my dad at the funeral home, they witnessed to him also. Well, I'm, I'm in Altus, Oklahoma, at a shopping center with my aunt. And Barnes, Wayne Barnes, calls me and checks in on his little buddy. He said, what's up? I said, I'm shopping with my aunt to get something for her for the funeral for dad. He said, well, I was just 
checking on you. Do you have a room? I said, yeah, I have a bed and breakfast. Well, 9 o'clock that night, that was Friday night, I get a phone call, and it's Wayne. Wayne said, how you doing? He said, are you naked yet? You got to know me to know what he's saying. I said, well, I'm thinking about it. I'm fixing to go lay down. And he, he said, well, do they have any more rooms where you're staying? I said, well, I don't really know. Wayne, they're kind of helping with the graduation. I don't know. He said, well, can you go see how much them rooms is if they have an extra room? Well, dumb me, I don't realize Wayne's coming to me. I said, Wayne, why? He said, you idiot, I'm in Clinton, Oklahoma, and I'm coming to the funeral. I said, why, Wayne, why are you coming to the funeral? He said, for you. That's why. And I want to thank this church. Y'all wasn't there, but believe me, you're, you was there because Wayne brought all the love to me because I would not have made it without this church. Fruitful and good works may mean sacrificing and driving seven-plus hours spending the night to be there for a brother or sister that is hurting. That's why I believe that tree says sometimes when you're bearing fruits, it gets heavy. The branches bend and they even break. I want to be fruitful in good works, whatever that might look like. And I believe it's just simply showing them how much you care instead of telling them how much you know. Amen. And Wayne represented this body of believers. Individual Christians being fruit bearers will make a church, a fruit-bearing church. Daryl told me last night, I know it was just Wayne, but I felt like the whole church was there. Keep that in mind when you see a need and someone's hurting, just you going could make somebody feel like the whole body of believers is behind them. And all God's people said. So we're to be fruitful in our worship, fruitful in our walk, fruitful in our witness, fruitful in our works. And lastly, we're to be fruitful in our wealth. Now listen to what the Apostle Paul said to the church at Rome in the 15th chapter, 27, 28th verse. Their duty is also, also, there's another add-on to our duty, is to minister to them in material things. What? Their duty isn't just to minister to spiritual needs. Paul said their duty is also to minister in material things. Therefore, this is what he says, when I have performed this and have sealed to them, listen, this fruit. You know what Apostle Paul's talking about? They took up a love offering. There was a need, not for just spiritual things, some finances. That's why in the early church, when they saw a need, they'd say, what they have, give it to who needed it. And he says, I'm going to deliver them this money. Hmm. He said, I'm going to give them this fruit. Folks, so we can be fruitful in our wealth. 
And I want you to realize because it's so hard to keep the church knowing what everything we do is because we do a lot. You know, I was struggling all day yesterday, Dave. What am I going to preach? What am I going to preach? And it was with most of the family all day long. And I was kind of fretting and I was trying to get... And I got these two intelligent people in my family, but of course they married in. Uh, so when I've got to have a deep question, I go to the daughters-in-laws. Because I was struggling. What, I knew there was a difference in rejectors and neglectors, and I thought that's really what I was going to preach, but... I just kept fretting, and I said, I don't even know what I'm going to preach. And I headed out with mom and dad's, and Trey was headed to the shower, and I was headed out the front door, and I stepped back in for something, and he stuck his head around the corner, and he said, why don't you just give your testimony? It's locust grove. Well, when I got in the van, I mean, Trey don't say much, ever. When I got in the truck, even though... People say it, you better get it confirmed with the Holy Spirit. So on that short drive over there, I thought, maybe I just need to share my testimony. And my testimony, when I put it in points and in a sermon, it takes too long. So I I spent a lot of time. I I felt bad that Bob was sitting there uh, because Dave was ministering and Bob's putting stuff on. And I'm I'm studying and I I called Brother Marty and I said, man, I just need some help here. You know, I've been preaching 19 years and still need help. I said, man, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling here. And, and I said, I, I just got to cut it way back. And I said, here's kind of what. And, and, you know, he never said nothing. I just preached it to him. Sometimes you just need to bounce it off of somebody. And so I'm watching Bob work out there, and I'm preaching this sermon to a guy that I guess he's saved. If, if he don't make heaven, it'll be probably because he overshoots it, I guess. I don't know. But I share my testimony in a way. And when I come out, there's always somebody, whether it's here at the rodeo, they say, man, we've heard bits and pieces of your testimony. I'd love to just sit down someday and hear it from the front to the back. Well, folks, there's 22 years of it. You don't have time. Because my testimony didn't just, it just was getting started when I got in the truck with Marty Brock. The testimony was 337 ICU Thursday evening. Just continuous. But often we have testimonies of a church and what we do with our wealth that many in our church don't even know about. And so I began to think about this today, this morning when, I, when I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to preach. And I thought about it. I wonder how many people at Exciting Southeast know that we bought a month of dialysis for a family. Family didn't walk in and ask, hey, can you pay for a month of dialysis for us? That ain't how it happened. There was a prayer meeting pre-revival in that old building. And after a group of us prayed, simply stood up and I just said, hey, we're going to benefit. These people was at most acquaintances. At most. Couldn't have told you all their names. I said, man, it's a sad deal. And I began to tell about the little boy, barring a miracle, was going to die because of kidney failure. And I remember he wasn't an elder, he just a lay person, Mark Cody. He just said, man, we just need to pray. And I remember it's all just bowing back down. And we stood up, it's just like simultaneously everybody said, 
Well, let's just pay for a month of dialysis. What is that? What's that look like? Fifteen thousand. And so that night, and it's one of them prayer meetings. Listen to me. You had to see it in color. God just moved. And, and I took, and I didn't spend the money to benefit like we do so many times. I just called that family out, witnessed to them, told them about the prayer meeting. I'm crying, Donna's crying. And I just simply handed them a check for 15000 and said, Listen, there's for a month of dialysis. And when that's gone, maybe there's more, I don't know. Another boy went on to be with glory before we ever got to pay for another, but we helped. Did you have any idea you was a part of a body of Christ that had paid for a month of dialysis for a young man? When I was preaching it this morning, while Daryl was talking, old Teddy motioned me over there right in the middle of service. I went over and I said, what? And he had big old tears streaming down his eyes. And he said, I'll tell you what makes Southeast. I hadn't preached this point yet. Daryl was up there. He said, I'll tell you where this church is fruitful. I said, where? He said, I've never seen a church that shows up at benefits and gives to people that's in need like this church. Did you know that your church shows up at benefits? You make baskets, we go spin, we go witness. That's given out of your wealth. But how about this one? How many of you went down there to Fort Gibson? Any hands? Last flood. Bob, you can raise it higher than that. I'm going to tell you, Bob and I are the only ones that rose our, raised our hands, but I'm going to tell you something. The floodwaters got to just, what, a couple of inches from their ceiling, Bob? And I believe there was, I'm surprised there wasn't a lot more hands because I believe there was over 50 people that had masks over their face, tools in their hands, tearing off wet, moldy sheetrock of a hundred-plus-year-old home. And the people that lived in it was in their 80s. Look at me. My heart was breaking because they had a mess. They had mold. They were still in a flood zone. It was a mess. And I believe it was even Bob that I first said something to. We ain't going to do them no good by stripping all this out. Is this house ever going to be livable again? The sheetrock coming out of the walls or the insulation. I said, it's in a flood zone. I said, but how could the, the best thing we could do is not clean this up. The best thing we could do is doze it in the hole. I remember telling Bob or some of the men that. I said, we just need to doze it in the hole and build them a new house. Bob said, you're the pastor. I remember going outside underneath a big old making a few phone calls because you get scared to do stuff like this because you think it's going to open a can of worms and people be standing here with their hands out. So I got the approval and I walked around there and I found this 80-year-old couple sitting in their shop having no idea what, they, what their next move was. You with me? And that morning headed out there, I stopped by the log store. Old Bill Lehman says, You going to work cattle today, cowboy? And I said, No, I wished. Going to peel wet sheetrock mold out of a house that flooded in Fort Gibson 
family that needs some help. Boy, old Bill reached in his pocket and he pulled out $20. He said, it ain't much, but you give that to that family. So I'm walking after getting approval, whatever we need to do to help them with the house. I remember that 20 bucks. So I go in there and I sit down. This will tell you about that generation, different than our generation. I sit down and I pull that 20 bucks out. And I said to Mr. Stubbs, I said, I stopped by a convenience store this morning and told a feller what we was going to do. And he said it wasn't much. And old Mr. Stubbs got big eyed and said, not much. That's $20. Let me say that again. He ain't from our generation. Because I don't know about you, and I'm just being honest, $20 ain't much. His eyes got big and he said, ain't much. That's $20. I can't take that. Now, I done knew what I was fixing to try to give him. And I'm thinking, if he can't take 20 bucks, he's fixing to really struggle. I said, you don't need to build back here. This is just a mess, sir. He said, what are we going to do? I said, you need to start over. He said, we're 80 years old. Ain't no starting over. I remember his old eyes filling up with tears. He said, who's going to finance a home for somebody in their 80s? I said, exciting southeast. It was arguing, it was pulling, it was fighting. But about 60 days later, Miss Elsie called me. She said, is that offer still good? I said, I told you. When you guys figured out what direction you wanted to go, we'd be there. They'd found them a lot. And they'd found them a double-wide trailer. And I don't know if you know it, but you're fruitful in your wealth because you bought that family a $50,000 double-wide trailer house. Now, when I left Telequal service, I was bawling like a baby while they were. I talked to Glenn when I was pulling in. I was a little bit aggravated at my hired hand when I talked to him Wednesday night. And I said, did you get them flats fixed on that RTV? He said, yes, sir. You owe Larry 20 bucks. It wasn't the 20 bucks. It's why didn't you just give him 20 bucks out of your pocket? I'm good for the 20 bucks. It was more the time of me having to go back 18 miles into town to pay the tire guy 20 bucks. Aggravated me. Time's precious. Let me tell you how precious it is. My aggravation, I showed up at the tire shop. I said, here's the 20 that we owe you for the RTV tires. He said, thanks. Larry fixed tires in Moody. I've known Larry as long as I've known Don and her family. Fixes all the tires in Moody, and now he's in Telequan. Moody still drives in there to fix it. And old Larry's got a rough old life. 
when he was in Moody 20 years ago, he'd say, Rob, I'm just tired. And I'd try to tell him who, where he could go to get rest. I begged him to come to church. He'd say, my grandkids, they begged me to come to your church. So I paid him the 20 bucks, and I've never seen Larry as tired as he is. I preached his daughter's funeral. Although they'd never been to our church, I've never seen him shed a tear. And when I handed him that 20 bucks, and I was headed back to the truck, he said, hey, Rob. And I turned around, and Larry was crying. I said, yeah, Larry. He said, I paid my little old house. It wasn't much. But I paid it off two weeks ago. And he said, the flood got it. Destroyed. My house is gone. Drowned my chickens. Drowned my dog. He said, I'm 61 years old. And I'm tired. I said, you've been tired for 20 years. But now you're tired and you don't have nothing. Maybe time to try the Lord. Boy, do you know how much I wanted just to hand him some money. Because I'd handed him money and helped him out, loaned him money at Moody. I'd preached his daughter's funeral. I said, Larry, won't you just get, won't you just come to the one that can give you rest? And I never seen old Larry cry, and I just hugged him up. Now, what do you think people driving by on the main street of Telequan and see the preacher nowadays? Got old Larry hugged up, praying for him. Larry followed me out there, and I was driving Donna's truck instead of mine. He said, my gosh, what about this truck? I said, I, it's Donna's. <laughs> I can bring you mine next week. You won't be near as impressed. He reached in there and felt the air conditioner. I said, it's nice. Mine don't have one. I said, Larry, won't you come to church? I'd be surprised at what might happen. I've been inviting Larry so many times I never thought for one half of one second Larry would be there. 9.30, I'm fixing to preach. And guess who steps in the door? Larry. Guess what I'm preaching? Oh, you already know. I just told that story, and I told him down there at Telequa. I said, Mike, I, this just kind of, I mean, I, it wasn't planned. I didn't know if Larry's going to be there. But there was a basket just like them right there with our counseling stuff on it. And I looked at Mike Dunn. I said, Mike, why don't you just dump that counseling stuff out and see if these people want to exercise their fruitfulness from their wealth? Oh, Larry's on the back row, crying. When I left, that was sitting right there with cash falling out the edge of it and checks. Glenn called me and he said, Man, we prayed with old Larry. And he said, I'm here to tell you, I don't know how much money was in that basket. And I said, Isn't it something how we as a church often want to know how much? 
And I said, it really don't matter. I just hope and pray it's enough to get him a fresh start. But more than that, I hope he'll see a church that's fruitful from their wealth. And it'll be the reason he comes to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. You know, when I first seen him, can I just be honest with you folks here today? When I first looked at that back door and I seen him and I knew what he had been through and I knew his story, what's the flesh going to do? First thing I done when I seen him is I can't preach this message. My gosh, we've given to everybody and that guy's lost everything. That's exactly what I thought. God forgive us. I can't preach that message. And then the Holy Spirit said, why don't you just preach the message? And why don't you just be fruitful in your wealth? It's way better to be obedient. I don't know what will come out of that. But man, God's just showed up in a great and mighty way today. And all week long. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. So, I just want us to be fruitful. Our worship, our walk, our witness, our works, and our wealth. A missionary from Africa tells the story of how he would take a small generator, plug an electric cord in it, string a little string of lights up, and when he'd flip his switch on the generator and those lights would come on, the natives would get big-eyed. They just couldn't understand how you could flip a switch. They'd never seen electricity, didn't have it, and the light come on. And he says it kind of surprised him one day when the natives said, can I have one of them light bulbs? The missionary thought, what are you going to do with a light bulb? He just concluded in his mind that maybe he just wants it for a trinket. He gave him the light bulb, but two weeks later... He went and visited him in his tent, and he noticed the hot light bulb was hanging from a cotton string. The missionary pointed to the light bulb hanging on a cotton string, and the native said, No worky, no worky. No worky. Didn't make no sense to the native. Makes all the sense in the world to us, because we know you can't get light from a light bulb by simply hanging it on a cotton string. Where you getting that, preacher? We can't be the light of the world hanging on the string of religion. And we can't be fruit bearers hanging on the string or the vine of religion. It's not a religion. It's plugged in if we're going to be the light of the world to the source of light, and His name is Jesus Christ. If we're going to be fruitful, it's to abide in the vine as the branches. Amen? Let's all stand. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. 
If we're going to remain a fruitful body of believers, it's got to be made up of fruitful Christians. These altars are open. Maybe you've not been as fruitful in your worship as you need to be. Maybe when you're to be given thanks and praise to God, your mind's going in a hundred different directions. Altars would be a good place to come and thank Him and let you lips give Him the fruit that's due Him, and that's just praise and thanks. Maybe your walk, when the world bites into you, it's been less than holiness, the fruit of the Spirit that's come out of you. And today you need to come to these altars and say, man, I need to be fruitful in my walk. When's the last time you've been fruitful in your witness? Are you fruitful in every good work? What that looks like is when you see a need, you meet a need. You don't tell people how much you know. You show people how much you care. When's the last time you made a big sacrifice to be fruitful in good works? And when it comes to being fruitful in our wealth, I thank you for being a church that gives and we can pass it on. So as Christians, these altars today would be a good place for us to kneel and say we just want to be fruitful for the purpose of the Father being glorified and followers being sanctified. I pray Christians would step out and lead the way to these altars today to simply just cry out to God that we would continue to be a fruitful body of believers. And I just pray as Christians would step out as quick as now and come, there would be somebody within the sound of my voice that realizes they've been hanging on the string of religion. And today, they need to get plugged into the source. And they need to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you've never been saved, why don't you do what 17 folks done over the weekend? And that's repent of your sins and give your life to Jesus. If you need to be saved, you come. We'll show you from the Scriptures how to take care of it. Father, have your way in the hearts of us, your people. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you come? Oh.